your source for Big Ten Talk. It's Off Tackle Empire. It's Maryland week, and uh, I don't know what 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 can we say? I mean, everything is everything is coming up turtleicious, um, at least around here, where it's uh, rained like twenty five the last thirty two days or something. If if the amount of rain and therefore correlation with positive habitat for turtles meant that it was pizza time, I would be on board with it. But that doesn't seem to be the case. But Although terrapins are tortoises, aren't they? Uh, we should see. This is why we should have called in our Rutgers writer because this seems to be paleontology adjacent. Absolutely, and and yeah, that's actually a very important distinction to make because if they're tortoises, they don't go in the water. No, I don't think terrapins are tortoises, though. I think they're I think they're just turtles. I'm pretty sure Testudo can swim. They've got a swimming team, don't they? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Uh, Terrapin Brewing Company, I thought for the longest time, was in Maryland. It is in Georgia. That's a bummer. We found that out recently. I found that out at, uh, at World Expo Beer. But anyway, we are here in Maryland week to talk about the Terrapins who are undergoing a coaching change. The most recent coaching change in the Big Ten. Yeah. Kind of one easy to lose track of because it's not like they were such a disaster on the field last year. They're like, oh, wow, well, they're starting all over for very obvious reasons. I mean, they're starting over due to, you know, circumstances, understandably so. How exactly the choice was Mike Loxley, though, I just don't get. I get that, look, once, <laughs> once a disgraced former head coach has gone through the rehab of, you know, running Nick Saban's errands for a couple of years that somehow you once again become a hot coaching commodity. But really, like it, it, Mike Loxley has a track record as a head coach. It is a disaster. He's been able to recruit at other stops, and it's never worked out anyway. I don't see... Like it just, and it's not to say that this won't work or can't work, but when this coaching search was going on, all the chatter we heard from our people was that the boosters are lining up behind Mike Loxley. That's the guy they want, and I don't understand why. So I'm going to crack open my win fight try brewster of the week, which is New Holland Dragon's Milk White. And this is relevant because... What? Huh? Why is, why is this a thing? Um, yeah. Essentially, I don't understand why this exists, I but bet, I'm well, ambivalent I that, towards it. That's probably going to work, though. Yeah. Well, you know, to an extent, I get it because... I mean, I'm I'm a fan of a of a school that's constantly looking for its next head coach, and one of the things that the message board posters frequently say, the especially the older ones, are well, we need somebody that's gonna lock down the state of Illinois for recruiting. We gotta get John Holosek, the head coach out of Loyola Prep in Chicago. He's got no coaching experience above high school, but damn it, he <laughs> played for Illinois, and we gotta we gotta lock down the state. But you know. You get my point. Like, they want the guy that's going to keep all of the state. Do the Howard Schnellenberger thing. Build the state of Maryland and lock it down. And they feel like he's the guy. Like, he's got the the 
the the resume to you know not necessarily establish him as a tactical guy, but as the kind of figurehead of a program that could really be Maryland in all of its talent and really get the most out of the natural recruiting base that you have there. Huh. Um, they've done this before, though. Recall that in his tenure at Maryland, Randy Edsel recruited DC, the D.C. metro area very well. Maybe not to the extent that people think Loxley will be able to, but you're never going to actually keep every talented guy from an area in that given area. Like, Georgia doesn't keep all the best Atlanta recruits <laughs> at Georgia, you, you know, Texas doesn't get all the best recruits from Houston or Dallas. Like they, There's too many, for one thing, in the best recruiting areas, and they inevitably go elsewhere. So how much better than Edsel he's going to be able to recruit the DMV, I seriously question. Um, but you also have, when you talk about his record as an offensive coordinator, uh, it was fairly good with literal world-beating talent. He actually had a tenure as an offensive coordinator at a team that had pretty good talent, in Illinois from 07 to 08, and the results were mixed at best. Um, a fruster- Basically, it was a bend-but-don't-break offense, <laughs> the kind of thing where the most emblematic of the pure Loxley offense was a was 2008 homecoming when Juice Williams threw for 460 yards, but they only scored two touchdowns. It's that kind of thing where you're going to... Pile up yards. You're going to pile up right. yards, but not quite string it together. I don't know. I obviously I know that he's grown a lot. You know, people always forget that coaches get better and coaches get worse, just like players. I suppose. I mean, I guess in a, as a counterpoint to your win fight tribe rooster of the week, uh, I'm drinking kombucha because once in a while you just need to clear out the pipes, and that's kind of what Maryland's got to do here. So, yeah, that that was one of the uglier sagas that we've seen go down. Just everything about that, you know. Erase the question of who was right or wrong, you know? Erase how culpable people are. Just move on from everything associated with it. Start again. We've got nothing to do with what happened, and we got to make sure it never happens again. Yeah, and so you mentioned that Loxley has had success, depending kind of on his talent level relative to his competitors. It's not like there are no pieces for him to work with here. You know, having Deshaun Jones and Dante Demas back at wide receiver and a group of probably four running backs that could start at most of our schools in the Big Ten, that's going to help. Now they're doing a little bit of a rebuild on the offensive line, where, again, last year was the year we talked about for what felt like since we've been doing this podcast, where it's like they've got all these highly recruited offensive linemen, they're going to be talented, experienced seniors, it should be really great. At times, it was very explosive and effective. Other times, it just kind of didn't do anything. And now they've got to replace a bunch of those guys. Yeah, when you saw it fully healthy, they took down Texas, and when you saw it break down, you saw some uh, some ugly things happen. Right, and again, a part of that's also a function of quarterback injuries, which is the most Maryland thing ever. But look, that, you know, you have to be ready to deal with that kind of thing. They probably did about as well as they could have with the interim Matt Canada running the show. Um, in my mind, maybe well enough to have earned a head coaching shot, but given the way he's moved around, I can see why you might not want to trust a head job to a guy with those nomadic tendencies. Um, and then, of course, the last thing to point out on the offense is they're kind of rebooting the quarterback room. Uh, Kasim Hill is transferring and also injured, I guess. And also, like, a little bit shitty? He was okay <laughs> on some occasions, at least. I, th- he's, I think he's a guy you would prefer to have versus not have. 
So they'll return Pigram, they'll return Tyler Dessou and Max Bortenschlager, who is somehow still eligible. My and goodness. then they bring in a couple of interesting new pieces, the Virginia Tech transfer, Josh Jackson, and a four-star freshman flip from Florida State, Lance Lejeune. Um, Monsieur Lejeune. So how they, yeah. threat duel. And how they decide to proceed here will be interesting. I mean, the easy choice would be just to plug in Jackson for the year you've got him. I don't know. I mean, it's not like any of the three returning options have shown that they're capable of being a standout option, but it's not like, I mean, you could tell me that there's not a big enough sample size on Desu yet to know that for sure. Pigram has had his moments, but I don't think he's really ever going to be you know, a dominant or playmaking Big Ten quarterback. So. What do we know about the team that Mike Loxley wants to put out on the field? They're probably going to be spready. I mean, that's kind of always been his thing. But what does that even mean anymore? Like, all offenses have he, spread elements. He likes... he let, I mean, my experience is he's generally liked a spread formation with, a, with the option of a vertical passing attack. Yeah. I don't know if they really have that with what they've got. I mean... As big threat, as big play threat as Jones is, for example, it's not like he's the guy catching 50-50 balls. I don't think they really have that guy, at least not a proven guy like that. So that might take some time to develop. Um, they do have some interesting options. Other than Lejean coming in from a recruiting perspective, Isaiah Hazel could be that guy. Hazel, Hazel, I don't know. Um, and a couple other options. The recruiting hasn't picked up the way that it's going to be. And obviously, with the transition that they went through with this entire thing they've been through, you wouldn't expect them to necessarily have attracted all that much talent. But they've got enough to work with, a few pieces that could contribute this year, and you'd expect Loxley to hit the ground running and pick up steam next year. When you've got an interim coach for an entire season, you're dead in the water for recruiting. Nobody knows what the future holds. Yeah, so I mean, in that way, getting a class inside the top 50 nationally is probably about the best-case scenario. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All things considered, could have been a lot worse. Um, so, what about the defense? They graduated a few. I feel like Trey Watson ended up being a lot more important to that defense than even Maryland fans thought he would be. Um, yeah, yeah. They they'll, lose him. They'll miss him. They're kind of reshuffling on the defensive line too, with Byron Cowart gone, Jesse Anibanum gone. Apparently Adam McLean was in the portal. I didn't bother to check to see if that's still the case or if he's actually leaving or not. But you're talking about two, two-and-a-half-ish starters. I don't know how often McLean was actually the starter last year, but you rotate guys, obviously. But still turnover on the defensive line with no obvious impact guys coming in. Um, they do get Keandre Jones coming in, funnily enough, as a transfer from Ohio State. So they ended <laughs> up getting him after all. I mean, probably would have been nice to have Dwayne Haskins as well, but obviously his career at Ohio State went a lot better than Jones's did, so he probably steps into a starting spot there. Secondary is going to be a little bit of a reworked group too. I mean, Tino Ellis is really the only holdover that I think you can rely on. There's probably yeah, you can name some other names, but nobody that you know is a proven quantity. Now, we can get through this on the micro level. We could go deeper, but really, what? What needs to be evaluated is what does this mean in the context of the Big Ten East? Because 
they're in a situation where they could be better, they could be worse, they could be better long term, but struggle initially. But what's it going to mean in a tough division where you have the three, the you know, the three established powers, the you know, whatever you call Michigan State, kinda and then power. I would call them a kind of power. <laughs> and then you have Indiana, who, as we discussed, is not going anywhere. Um, and you know, even if they don't advance past that five and seven hump. They're not going to back down any farther. No, they're not an easy out for teams in Maryland's tier. And Maryland does not have a favorable schedule this year, if you look at the crossovers. No, yeah. Crossovers, you have Nebraska at home, second to last game of the season. You have Minnesota on the road and Purdue on the road. So, I mean, that could be worse. You avoid. You don't have to play at, at Kinnick. You don't have to play uh, at Camp Randall. It could be worse, but... I mean, that kind of speaks to the parity in the Big Ten. <laughs> that's going to be My our, goodness, it does, be because when I say it's a favorable schedule, what I really mean is they don't have Illinois on it, because well, well, sure. <laughs> who, who else could you put in crossovers that would be more favorable than this, really? Yeah, that's, well, like I said, I mean, it, huh. ca- it kind of depends on your opinion of Northwestern, I guess. If you yeah. think, if you think that Nebraska is going to be a tougher game than them this year, or that going to, to Minnesota would be preferable to playing Northwestern, I guess that's kind of a judgment call. I still think in avoiding Iowa and Wisconsin, they're probably missing two of the three best teams in the West. I still think this year will be Iowa, Wisconsin, and Northwestern in some order. But I think I'm higher on Nebraska than you are. I think they're going to be good. I just don't know if we're going to see... We might see improvement from them without it necessarily being reflected in the record. I mean, it. you know, I guess we'll see. Well, yeah, so you can see how much we know to make of this because... We're talking about how the Big Ten West race is going to shake out. Look at their non-conference. They start out against Howard, and the question is always, you know, Howard, do they come in hungry? um, To beat that one fucking guy, Howard. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, because if if Howie's hungry, then you've got a piping hot mess with a delicious flavored crust on your hands. Fuck, I want a Cajun crust so bad right now. God, I haven't had hungry Howie's in a long time. Ooh, boy. It's kind of the Maryland of pizza. It's For the most part, it's going to be right in the middle. It's not higher quality, but it's not a hot and sweaty either. Hungry Howie's is consistent, and you always know that you're going to get oh, in that, that case, crust. In that case, maybe it's a terrible analogy then, because if, we yeah. can, if we're calling Maryland consistent, then I... Nope. I don't, we have gone far astray. Nope. So Anyway, Syracuse... Howard, yeah, and then... Syracuse is probably going to decimate them. Probably they do have to replace Eric Dungey, do they not? They do. I'd still, yeah, I'd still give Dino Babers in what is it year three or four for him? I think this is year three for him at Syracuse. No, this is, is this year is year four. It's year four. So trust me, it's year I, four. <laughs> I, I I will trust you. Um, it's year four for Lovey Smith. It's year four for Dino Babers. Ooh. My point is, yeah, yeah. I know exactly how long Dino Babers has been there because I know exactly how long he should have been in Champagne. Look what you did now. As the words, I wasn't gonna touch it. As the words fell out of my mouth, I realized what was gonna happen. I wasn't gonna it touch was, it. It was forced my hand. So anyway, at Temple is another one. And Temple's, Temple's not a, a not a giveaway. Not a giveaway. Not at all. Temple is a bit in a bit of an identity crisis after they got Manny Diaz by Manny Diaz. <laughs> uh, who the hell the, the the coach there ended up... Oh, Rod Carey from Northern yeah. Illinois went there, and he yeah. took with him Illinois' best recruiter, Thad Ward. Right. It's when still, you get that call up from Temple, I, I, well, you can't say no. Well, I mean, he did go reunite with his old friend, but still... As a, and as a coordinator, too, right? Yeah. I think he's just an assistant. Yeah, it's so. a... It's a, it's it's a, a, it's a but still, 
Rod Carey moving from the MAC to the ACC, basically taking the call up to AAA ball, not to disrespect our MAC brothers. Yeah. Um, so, in and out of conference, I don't think I can pick them to beat Syracuse. That feels like a two and one record, and that you know, road game at Temple early in the season. That's not a not by any means a sure thing. After yeah, that, I, I could see this starting out a bit ugly because Penn State is the last game of September. Right, although they do get a bye right before that game. But yeah, you open conference play with a home date against Penn State. Road games after that with Rutgers and Purdue. Then home against Indiana, at Minnesota, Michigan at home, at OSU. And you have the bye late in the season. So it's got some ebbs and flows. I mean, there's no like there's no particular two or three week stretch that's absolutely brutal. I mean, you've got Michigan and OSU back-to-back. I suppose that would qualify. But other than that... You've got stretch. You've got winnable games sprinkled in amongst the tougher ones. So where do you see the toss-ups being? I mean, the biggest 50-50 for me right now is home against Indiana because yep. at home again against Indiana because you have really you know that's kind of your barometer is you know you've got some talent but a lot of dishevelment against the the slow churning eternal rebuild that is Indiana. Yeah. That ta- that road trip to Minnesota would be an interesting one as well. My opinion on them kind of changes by the day because I I look back at their overall record last season, think, man, this really isn't as impressive as it should have been. But I'm like, well, wait. I mean, his rebuild at Western did take some time. I'm like, well, but wait. No, I mean, I don't want to eat up our Minnesota content here, but we have in the past faced much criticism for going way too late on Minnesota content. So let's put some Minnesota content right on here right now. Yeah, well, and it, I mean, the game at Minnesota, I would expect Minnesota to win that, but if they lost, it wouldn't surprise me. I would call that... You also probably wouldn't have expected Minnesota to drop 42-13 to Maryland last year. I mean, they really got demolished. No, but I think that was that was early in the season, yes. Fairly. Uh, of course, late they, in the season, Minnesota got demolished by the Illini. So, just because they get demolished doesn't necessarily mean that they're a worse team. Per se. Well, right, but that the Illinois game, which was after the Maryland game, is also what prompted them to fire the defensive coordinator. Yes. And they, from there, things got a lot better. So, if Minnesota carries that over, I would expect them to win that, the game against uh, Maryland at home. But I would put that in a toss-up category. Um, I can't consider Rutgers a toss-up. That's one Maryland ought to win. I, <laughs> Nebraska at home, I think you would call a toss-up. And I would call it, I think MSU is a toss-up for pretty much everybody. On their best day, they can beat anyone in the conference, and on their worst, they could lose to anyone in the conference. So I think yeah. MSU is going to be a toss-up for pretty much everybody, other than hopefully Rutgers. But again, last year taught me better. So Yeah. Who knows? I mean, <sighs> when you're trying to, you try to beat everybody by as few points as possible, which is really that's... I don't think you're even necessarily trying to beat anybody by a few points. You're just trying to have as few points as possible be scored. Yes. And if, if you, you win, win that's good. fine. If, that's if you lose, at least there weren't very many points scored. True that. So, I mean, you kind of, like, the only ones that you'd say are gimme or Howard, you can consider Rutgers a gimme. Those yeah. are the only two that you're talking some serious red flags if they lose. I mean, you right. Lose at Temple, you're going to be concerned unless not, you get yeah. blown away. That's an early bad sign if you lose to Temple, whether it's... I mean, if you... Yeah, like you said... If well, I mean, if a, you go and get blown away at Temple and you look disorganized, then yeah. But if, if it's just a thing where, oh, this was a better organized team, there was some more experience, some things didn't go the way that we thought, 
Sure. I mean, like, when, Penn, when Penn State lost to him a few years ago, we were like, wow, does this mean Penn State's actually really bad? And we found out later, no, it just turned out Temple was pretty good that year. So because it's early in the season, we will lack context, but still draw our very accurate conclusions about it. Can't wait to explain. Yeah, of course, at Rutgers is another one that's like, depending on how that, like, if they lose that one and... It's going to depend on whether or not Rutgers looks a lot better. If they lose, well, if they lose that game, so we agree they probably lose to Penn State and they probably lose to Syracuse. Yeah. If they lose that Buck, that Butgers game and they lost to Temple, now you're at one and one, two, three, four. You've got road trip to Purdue, home against Indiana. I mean, there might not be any guaranteed wins after that. There's a potential where this season could go seriously sideways. If you don't get a couple of those early games as proof of concept for a very different team than you had last year. so Now, in our record predictions, not we, but Off Tackle Empire, the greater community, was a lot higher on Rutgers than on Illinois for the record. But I kind of feel like that's almost one of those things where it's like, well, they can't really be that bad again, right? But I kind of think that, yeah... This is one of those situations where they can. So I don't anticipate Rutgers, you know, bringing enough improvement to the table that if you're Maryland, losing to them isn't a big red flag. No, it's still. But is. you know, nothing that happens in this year one is really like it. It's, it's it depends on the optics, right? We've had year. It's rare that you've got a year one that really is concerning. But like when you look at year ones that have been really concerning, look at like Mike Riley at Nebraska when they went and lost to Illinois really stupidly and then he didn't take responsibility for the decision. Yeah, That was one of those things where it's like, I know it's early, but this is a big problem. Kind of regardless of the result, you just want to see indications that the guy has some idea of what he's doing. Yeah. If the results aren't there, fine, the results aren't there. Maybe you had guys hurt, maybe you had your players don't fit the scheme. Whatever. There is always reasons why the results might not be there in year one, but you've got to have some indication that there is a plan which is being implemented. Yeah. Um, and if you if you can see problems with that, then that can be a real issue. So, you know, that being said, something along the lines of four, five, maybe six wins feels right for Maryland. Um, I don't generally participate in the record prediction because it would require me to put a lot more thought into it and. You know, I'm not allowed to pick both teams to win a certain game depending on how I feel that day. Whereas if I just skip that part and make it all up here, I can take each team in kind of a vacuum regardless of how they play relative to each other and, and make stuff up much more effectively is what I tend to find. 100%. I have Maryland at 3-9 and nine with one conference win. And it's not because I think that they're going to be that far. I just think that... You know, we we know Syracuse is a better program right now. There's no debating that. Yeah. And I just think that the rest of their schedule outside of Rutgers is far enough ahead of where they are right now that it's... So you'd, you'd have them beating Howard, Temple, and Rutgers then? Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's a, that's a very and real possibility. Well, and there's... And, and you look at that schedule, and you were to segment that into groups, you would draw a tier above those three. Yes. Okay, you would draw a line there, and that line is where I think Maryland is. I think I do still think there's enough talent left on this roster that they should make their way to four wins. Five is a possibility if one of the closer toss-up games goes their way. Um, 
I don't know if I, yeah, we won't bother with game by game predictions. I think we'll kind of leave that for during the actual season, but I think they make their way to either four or five wins. You know, if I'm a Maryland fan, obviously I want them to succeed right away. I want to see some excitement in recruiting, but you know, really, I'm going to be a little patient, even though the last few years haven't been that great, just because like anything is preferable to the shit that was going on during last season. You need some kind of stability here, and if that means giving Loxley an extra season beyond what his record actually merits, well, he's going to leave a covered stock to the next guy regardless of when you kick him out. So, Calabunga. Your source for Big Ten talk, it's off tackle, Empire! That South Park crab people is my intro. <laughs> crab people, crab people. <laughs>